This is the United Kingdom of Britain, all of it, bolted together and floating in the sky. Can we go out and see? Of course we can, but first there's a thing. A thing? An important thing. In fact, thing one. Pull to open. Pull to open. Yes, and what do you do? What I always do, stay out of trouble. Battling. Here comes the drums! Oh, here it comes, the sound of drums. Here come the drums, here come the drums. Hello and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, the entire television program, all of it in random order, occasionally with drums. (laughs) Sometimes not. Like that. Sometimes like that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, I forgot to say I'm Pete Paschal because I, I feared I would have, have had to take responsibility for that. But yes, I am Pete Paschal. No, no, I'm Pete Paschal. You're Chris Taylor. And it was your idea. Uh, no, okay, no, I am Chris Taylor. We're a couple of guys. We're a couple of Doctor Who fans, journalists, uh, people who love the show, love to talk about the show, have written about the show. And apparently we're just getting even more epic in our Sound of Drums intros, so epic that we've gone beyond drums into the <laughs> Murray Gold Orchestras, which uh, is what we're wow. going to have to include next time. If no one's used Beyond Drums for a big finish title... <laughs> You go, you go, Nick Briggs. You could take. Ooh, that yeah. Beyond the drums would actually be a yeah. good sort of, you know, how how uh, you know Missy regenerated. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That should start fast. <laughs> oh my god! Podcast. My god! The head cannon is just leaking out already. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you're probably wondering how we got here, listener. Well, let me tell you. Previously on Pull to Open, we had to deal with some serious uh, herbicide issue in theory from the deep. This was four episodes ago. It was a mighty beast made of plant life. Uh, then we went to the weed. Uh, a few weeks ago. We did Time Flight with our special guest, Chris Burgess. Time Flight was great. Uh, this podcast was anyway. <laughs> yes, it was. It was, you know, we, we, we gained Professor Hater. He joined our TARDIS team uh, in time flight. So love him. Love him. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had the Runaway Bride uh, hot on the heels of the power of the Doctor, which, of course, reintroduced David Tennant as the Doctor, uh, mm. which will also have Catherine Tate when she comes back next year. This was the first episode with David Tennant and Catherine Tate, and it was a good time to revisit that. And then we were plunged all the way back to the first season of New Who into arguably its most epic episode uh, in Dalek. Yes. Uh, yeah, our first Chris Eccleston, our uh, Viscount Banger in our rating system. Mm. Uh, we, we loved Dalek so much. We loved it even more on rewatch. Um, but also, weird connections. You know, we always look at our randomizer connections, weird connections to Runaway Bride. It was the Doctor, uh, you know, being told by a companion not to commit genocide in both both of these instances, not to wipe out the last of the species. That's and so true. then, where does the randomizer send us next takes us to series five episode two the beast below yes to a story where the doctor is persuaded by a companion not to genocide the last of the species 
Wow, you're just cutting right to the five questions. I, yeah. questions. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> the, the first it, question is so big. Daily Show, circa 1998. Uh, yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm just teasing the. We will get to that. We will get to the amazing randomizer connections between Dalek and the Beast Below. Uh, so mm. much so that one of my one of my catchphrases on the show is, "I'm scared of the randomizer." And I'm once again scared of the randomizer um mm. but yeah we will get into it we will get we will go deep down below with the beast below but first <laughs> hold on first, a second Wait hold a hold your hold, <laughs> your hold your whales yeah hold your whales guys because we before we do that we have to enter the pull to open feedback loop and of course in the feedback loop we like to talk about reviews. And before we talk about reviews, we'll talk about you, listener, potentially leaving reviews, which is to say, please leave them. Yeah. <laughs> we love reviews. If you uh, like the, what you're hearing, if you like the podcast, if you have recommendations for the podcast, if you have thoughts on the podcast, if you have emoji titles of Doctor Who episodes for the podcast, mm. go ahead and leave that in a review. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, whatever you think, and we'd also love to read your emoji titles out on the show, which we uh, occasionally do as our uh, brain teaser here. Yeah, and if you don't like the show and you're just hate listening, and you're just you've got us on as hate wallpaper because you love to hate the show so much, uh, leave us a review. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. do it. Give us a professor hater. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, but a five star professor hater. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's worth five stars. He's got tenure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we're on a lot of platforms. We love those Apple podcast reviews. If you happen to have an iPhone or if you're getting one for the holidays, um, mm. you know, definitely fire up the Apple podcast app. Even if you've never used it before, leave us a review there. Uh, but also many, many ways, many other ways to review this. It's just the Apple podcast is the best for a, for a, for a young, strapping young podcast like ours. Nice. Um, that is our favorite place where you can leave reviews. But if there is another place or uh, any other place you can leave a rating, uh, we'd really appreciate it. It really helps out the show by making it more visible to other users of the app you're in. Mm. Um, speaking of places we are, we are also on YouTube at youtube.com slash pull to open. We keep uploading our season two uh, episodes from the podcast, season two of pull to open. Uh, mm. from stuff we never cut videos before. So those are coming every Wednesday. And of course, the new stuff, guys, is always coming Saturday. Everybody has been really supportive there. And people are leaving great comments. Uh, so if you like to, if you if you like your podcast with a YouTube flavor and people to look at, that's where we are. Go ahead and uh, subscribe as well as hit that bell button to get some notifications whenever we got new content, which is often. Yeah, I got to say, being being on YouTube and being on Spotify video podcasts really sort of uh, like upped my game. Visually speaking, like I, I spend at least a minute in front of the mirror now before the <laughs> podcast, like a whole minute. Oh, man. I'm like, I'm like, hey, there, there we go. Wow, uh, you know, started wearing wearing Tardis blue, standing in front of my pull to open sign, like a. You know, we we want to give Easter eggs for you for you visual fans. Yeah, yeah, totally. See if you can. Uh, yeah, spot the new one in my background. Yeah, uh, yeah, right have, in. Yeah, multiple doctors in it. That's what we're talking about. Well, we were <laughs> talking about Power of the Doctor. Um, but one of the places we are also at is a place called TikTok. And as I said, we are at mm. Pull to Open, all one word there. 
and uh, we have a great uh, crowd following us. We've got about about almost 8,000 followers now. There's always good discussion on the short videos we cut for that platform, and uh, I like to highlight various comments that people leave there, and I've got a couple this week. And they follow a great week of engagement on our Runaway Bride videos, and um there was you know obviously a lot made of donna and it was interesting that she came between romantic companions and Mm. she wasn't one in this case and certainly when she came back she wasn't one and um there was some discussion about that and uh i would love to read this comment from pigeon underscore follower pigeon follower pigeon follower also follows us and pigeons and it echoes a lot of what Donna represents. And Vision mm. Followers says, the romantic companion thing feels overdone. I want to see them move away from it. And mm. I think I kind of do too, after having done Rose. And uh, we've seen the Doctor and Yaz recently, which again, yeah. nothing wrong with anything there, but it was like this thing, this repeated thing where companions fall for the Doctor. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad knew who went there, right? Because it yeah. was always understated. It was never explicit in the um, original series about these romantic relationships. You would just infer what you wanted to, saw the show that you wanted to. But it, it, it's it's fun and interesting and new to do it. And mm-hmm. I like the stuff they've done, they did with Rose and, and even others. But it can start to feel now like this sort of, I don't know, more repetition than variations on a the theme. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. It's like, you know, I think that was why a lot of people didn't like Clara when she came along, was that, that sort of the romantic tension between her and Matt Smith. It just kind of, you know. Yeah. And, and it was addressed directly by, by Moffat in Deep Breath, right, where Madame Master says, you know, you fool, you might as well flirt with a mountain. Mm. Um, well, and then he, then Capaldi says to her, I'm not your boyfriend. And yeah. she's like, I never said you were. And he's like, ah, I wasn't really talking to you. Like, I mean, it was, mm-hmm. I, you're not, or rather you're not the one that needs reminding. Like he was basically mm-hmm. reminding himself, which I thought was mm-hmm. kind of an interesting mm-hmm. little twist on that. Yeah. Cause it did sort of take it a little bit too far in the time of the doctor with the, you know, the doctor actually being naked, <laughs> hugging his companion. Like that's, that's a workplace complaint waiting to happen right there. <laughs> and I forgot to read this other comment. Uh, it was also from Rachel1091, basically also echoes it. Platonic love needs more attention. Yeah. Uh, sometimes a man and a woman can be just be best friends and nothing more. And I agree. And I think this sort of takes the first com- first comment and lets you know that, you know, you don't really lose what you want to do with the doctor and the companion sort of mattering to each other mm-hmm. in yeah. a very special way. And we saw that with Capaldi and with, uh, as I mentioned in our time flight um, stuff with Tegan, yeah. um, which yeah, obviously she was in power of the doctor and there was a lot of stuff they had to resolve. So you still get that great drama. You just don't necessarily have to go to, you know, we're going to be lovers. Yeah. Friendship as love is, is sort of, uh, underrated in, in our culture. I think, uh, big, big yeah, shout yeah. out to all my friends. Love all of you guys. Um, <laughs> and, but you know, it, it just, there's, there's a beautiful poem by Robert Graves. I'm not going to say, look it up. It's a very short poem. It's called friendship at first sight. Uh, and it's, it's, it's about, uh, you know, that sense of like, you know, we mistake what love at first sight is, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, twinned helplessness against the mutual tug of procreation. Love that line. Mm. Uh, but friendship at first sight also, like, you know, 
can catch you in the same way. Like, you know, it's that, did we just become best friends moment, you know, that you, you have? Like, that's really cool. And you, you get that a lot in Doctor Who fandom, I think. Like, we're, we've got this thing that we love to discuss. We're really excited about it. Our faces light up. Like, it produces a lot of friendships. So, yeah, it's, it's nice for the show to pay more attention to that. Um, and perhaps a little bit less to romantic love now. That's, that's definitely been done. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, so we'll see what happens, uh, in the future. Certainly I think with Catherine Tate coming back and it being sort of a new tenant Tate era, um, we're going to see, uh, a return to that normalcy, I guess. Yeah. The show. Um, yeah, exactly. There's definitely going to be a, uh, well, I hope there's going to be a Donald line of like, I still don't like you. You're still, not, you're still too skinny. <laughs> How are you still so skinny? Oh God. Yeah. It's like a stick. Um, so thanks for the comments, everybody, and keep them coming. Again, we're at Pull to Open on TikTok and Pull to Open 63 on Twitter and Instagram. And by the way, I finally found it. <laughs> I wanted to get into these a little bit earlier. Yeah. The emoji reviews. I mean, yes. sorry, emoji titles. We have a few. We have a few. Oh, we do. That we uh, we got from on Twitter, not necessarily from reviews. So I oh, wanted okay. to highlight these. And I wanted to quiz you, Chris. Oh boy! Because I, I know I got two of them. I think <laughs> I need help with the third one. Ooh, okay, I'm on the spot. <laughs> There's three. Yep. Do you want to start with the one of the ones I'm pretty sure I know, or do you want to start with the hard one? Right yeah, let's go easy, easy to hard. Let ease me All in right. here. Okay, this one it's two emojis. First one is a crab, and the hmm. second one is the scream. Oh God! Uh, crab with a scream. I, I feel like I'm going to be terrible at all of these. So, no, that space crabs. Like, oh God, this is the problem with the show that we love. Is like there's so damn much of it. Come on, crabs. I'll even I'll even uh, give it away. Maybe. Imagine yeah, please those give crabs it away. were gigantic. Oh, it's still not doing it. I can't. I can't. My mind is blank. Oh, my man. It's the Macra Terror, of course. Uh, see? See? Been, never seen it. Yeah. <laughs> crabs. Big crabs. Big they crabs. In, um, they were in uh, Gridlock. Although we haven't done Gridlock for the podcast. Uh, yeah. Yet, so yeah. See? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But love it. Love it. We would have had, I'm sure. <laughs> Wait for the Gridlock pod for the 10 minute digression on the Macra. We're all Trouton villains, like, you know, things that now sound unintentionally hilarious, like <laughs> the crabs and the weed. Um, <laughs> the crabs and the weed. Oh, my. That's, all right. That's a hell of a weekend in Vegas. Right Sorry, there. I forgot um, to mention, these are from Dalton1963 on Twitter. Dalton1963 sent us these. So thank thanks, you. Dalton. Thank you. you got me. You got me. Okay, second one. Here we go. Okay. Thinking emoji, mm-hmm. trash bin, plunger. Okay, got to be a Dalek episode. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, assumedly, that's that's the that's the trash bin. Uh, the Plan thinking... plunger. <laughs> so those two combine into Daleks, right? So right, that's the thinking right. emoji in the, front of Daleks. The thinking of the Dalek, the thoughtfulness of the Daleks, the. Oh God, I'm I'm going to be zero for two here. Can you give me a clue? New, old. What is the thing you do with your mind that sometimes stresses your mind, and might you might have even been doing it twenty to thirty <laughs> seconds ago? 
I we're think trying to the, the anxiety of the Daleks. <laughs> trying to the brainstorming of the Daleks. Getting close. The brain of Dalek. <laughs> You're trying oh, to search your brain for facts you might have heard in the past. What are you the, trying to do? Uh, the, the library of the Dalek. I don't know. You oh. are trying to. R- 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 the remembrance, remembrance <laughs> of the Daleks, remembrance. <laughs> oh God! Oh wow! Oh, you know what? TLDW is going to be so easy after this. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm dying out here with these lightning rounds. Okay, give me the third one. Okay, this can... is the one I don't know. So you're going to have to. I'm relying on you on this one. All right, all right. All Watch right. me get it straight away. So first emoji, scale. You have a scale, you know, with the two dishes okay. that mm-hmm. center thing balancing it. So mm-hmm. uh, scale. Uh, a clock. It's the sort of mantle clock emoji. Mm. Okay. Could be the master's status, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a crown. So huh. what is this? Huh. Okay, so it's a royal episode. Uh, a clock and a crown makes me think yeah. girl in the fireplace. Uh, uh, I don't think it's that. I think it's like the scale could be balance. Mm. I don't know if any show show's title has balance in the title. Balance Just, justice. Of, mm. Is it trial of a time lord? Trial of a time lord. It's got to uh, be. Trial of a... Oh, you yes. Yes. Yes, that's got to be it. <laughs> Yes. Justice, time, and <laughs> King Lord, trial of a time lord. Damn. Oh my god! Oh yeah, wow. we got him. Alton, 1963. <laughs> Let us know if we nailed these. We're going right to our spreadsheet. Great job, great job, Chris, for getting Thank that you. one. Oh my uh, god! Oh, we did it. Oh I wow! It. Okay, podcast over, guys. See you later. <laughs> Like and subscribe. <laughs> oh, no, wait, wait, wait. No, no, oh. don't. We can we still oh. have an episode to talk about. We yes. should get to that. We should yeah. go because we're all here to talk and hear about the beast below. Um, which holy cow, do you need a breather before TLW? I, I do, I, I do. Like Everyone take a drink. Do do we have any other new business? Because uh yeah. I think we, we're done, dude. I think that's all the business we got. Yeah, <laughs> new logo, blah blah blah. Disney okay, can Plus, I just blah, blah, can blah. I throw in one idea? I am I, I'm I'm gonna take this to the bank. I think you can take this to the bank. I think Disney Plus is going to launch uh the complete range of, of who so far at Christmas. Uh, oh possibly including oh. classic who. And that's why the logo is a classic is the classic Baker logo. So, uh, so you mean like it, uh, come Christmas for streaming yeah. everything yes. from an, an unearthly child Maybe. all the way up to the power of the Doctor? That is my prediction. Or, or somewhere Do- thereabouts. Yeah, because Doctor Who is so associated with Christmas. People yeah. are going to be like, "Where's my Christmas Who?" Disney Plus is like, "I got you." You know, come and subscribe. Mm-hmm. We've got the whole show here. Yeah, that would be such a Disney move. Yeah, I bet maybe Power of the Doctor, they want to still want to sell some Blu-rays, so they might not have that mm-hmm. one specifically, yeah. but everything up to before that. Exactly. So, or maybe uh, they like do it where they like release a few series at a time mm-hmm. on Disney+, Plus just to sort of up the interest. Oh, don't put Doctor Who back in the vault. 
<laughs> Disney vault. <laughs> Although the BBC vault, I guess, because they'd still be owning it. But I like or that. Like, that would be amazing. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I don't think that the, the plan is for classic, though. At least at this point, I don't know if that deal's been inked, but I could be wrong. Did you? Were you reading differently? I I have not read anything. Uh, I'm just assuming that Disney is bring bring a giant dump truck of cash up to the BritBox offices, yeah. and and like uh-huh. being like, hey, we'll buy we'll buy BritBox if we need to. And like that's how serious yeah, we are. I feel this. like definitely for from Eggleston on. I think mm-hmm. that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. That's already a lot of TV. You know, that is a know. lot of TV, and then maybe um, after that, they're like, "We're going to do a classic series at, at every week or something." I think they'll be more inclined to back up that truck of money once it's sort of proven itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, now this is actually a good audience creator and money maker for us." Now let's get yeah. this stuff yeah. from the classic series. Yeah, some of it is, is dependent on lawyers and rights and all of that mm-hmm. stuff that we're not privy to. So who knows? But that's my prediction. You know what I would love to see, and I just. Uh, thinking about streaming services and the things mm-hmm. that go along with it. So you go into the Marvel stuff on Disney Plus, for example, and you'll see some of those documentary-like series uh, that mm-hmm. they've done. Um, I forget the name of them now, but there's 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 stuff on Stan Lee and whatever and sort of the background mm-hmm. of the, the making of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I would love to see not just an adventure in space and time, but also like there's been so many documentaries. Yes. Get some some of the select ones. Uh, that they've made over the years about Doctor Who and some are on Blu-ray and some aren't and some are extras. Um, just, get, you know, pull the fandom. The fandom knows what's, what are the yeah. good ones and get the good ones out there. And for the new yeah. show, all, all of the Doctor Who confidentials. Um, yeah, absolutely. I could not find the one uh, for for The Beast Below. It's not online anymore, which makes me think, hmm, maybe Disney is like holding that back for some extras. Hmm. hmm. Because that's like, yeah, I mean, Disney loves to do, you delve into Disney Plus. You got like, I'm not doing an ad for Disney Plus here, but they do have so many extras. Like, yeah. That's one thing you can take to the bank on on their Doctor Who presentation. There'll be extras up the wazoo. Maybe all those old Doctor Who confidentials. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good place to start. Yeah. Speaking of places to start. Oh, God. <laughs> here we go. Enough for stalling, my man. We got to make a transition into actually talking about the beast below. And as always, we start with TLDW. Too long, didn't watch. Too long, Doctor Who, where one of us summarizes the entire story in record time. And for the beast below, the crown is on your head, my friend. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh, we should call it uh, too long. Didn't wail um, <laughs> for for this L-W-A-I-L. one. W A I L. Yeah, exactly. Too long. Don't wail. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, I've got, ready? My, okay. got my tabs well, it's closed. New it's new. new so you you do get a full minute. Oh, geez. To summarize this. But it's we, also uh, a Moffat story. So summarizing is it's like it is replete with rabbit holes. Yeah, uh, many many ways that I could fall down here. Yeah, so I'm going to guess right. that I probably will fall down. I'm going to set expectations low. Uh, okay. I've already got I got the gold medal with Trial of a Time Lord. I feel like I'm good. Like it's an honor just to be nominated in this event. <laughs> um, well, if you end up 600 feet below decks, we know how far <laughs> you fell. Um, but if you said you're ready, so we're going to get ready. right into it in uh, in the official pull to open summary of the Beast Below in three, two, one, go. 
Okay, so it's Amy's first trip in the TARDIS. The Doctor and Amy materialise in the future on Starship UK because it turns out that the whole of the UK, except Scotland, has um, uh, come off the Earth after the solar flares and they're, they're on their ship. Uh, but there's something wrong with the ship. The Doctor notices it's a police state because the children are, are crying. Uh, there's a child that's crying silently and so he starts to investigate. They both start to investigate. Uh, Amy discovers that uh, there's something so horrible that people keep forgetting it and they keep voting to forget it. Um, and uh, they meet Liz Ten, who is the current queen, who is also investigating this. And they discover that there's no engines on Starship UK. What's what's the big reveal? It's a space whale they're building on top of a giant space whale. They've, they're, they're basically torturing it in order to make it go faster. But it turns out it doesn't need to be tortured to go faster. And the Doctor almost kills the spa- space whale, but Amy stops him. And that's how that's why the Doctor needs companions, uh, because they, they stop the Doctor doing genocide. And then they go off the TARDIS yeah. because Churchill... Nice. Nice. You got it. You got oh. it all. I almost, almost went into analysis there at the end. <laughs> 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 oh, anyway. okay. Uh, any any big holes there? Oh, I didn't mention the Smilers. Um, oh. The Smilers, yeah. That was, that was yeah. a big deal. The Smilers, uh, what, well, should we just go straight into it? What, what in the hell go are in. the Smilers? I'm not even sure. <laughs> So the Smilers are these weird enforcer things that um, everyone's so scared of. I, I like the bit of dialogue where the doctor talks about how no one goes within like a few feet of each of these things because they're so frightened of them. And they actually deliver on why they're frightened, which is to say there's a point where the Smilers come out mm. to ostensibly kill them or take them somewhere, right? So that's yeah, all we- good. Um, we think they're just heads in boxes and they turn out to be actual people walk out of the boxes. Yeah. Right. But it is also like, are they, there's a thing where there it's the actual teacher or something in the classroom. It seems like it's a robo teacher. That's the um, cold open. Yeah. I didn't mention that. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's all these things where like, well, are they just there as like observers or are they also like bank tellers and whatever else? Like the smilers are like a, a robot workforce. It seems like. Um, there's a lot of these things that aren't fully thought thought through in this story. <laughs> this is a, a, it's a Stephen Moffat joint. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's very Moffaty. So um, I wasn't I wasn't super bothered by the Smilers because mm. I think they're effective what they need to be, which is like super creepy things to scare children, and that sort of gets right mm. at the heart of this one as an episode written for kids and yes. treating Doctor Who as a kids show. I think this episode works. I think it's mm-hmm. a good example of textbook Doctor Who where, you know, kids are crying. The doctor comes in as the savior, the hero figure. It gets at the essence of him in that sense. Because yes. I like that he is, he does all those heroic things. But then at the end, he, it's one, one of the very, I think it might be the only time where he says, I'm going to give up my name based on what I'm doing, other than the War Doctor, I guess. Which is a foreshadowing of the War Doctor. And that that is, yeah. you know, the best thing. If I'm trying to find good things to say about the piece below, <laughs> that's where I go to first. Like, there's a lot of foreshadowing of what would become the Day of the Doctor here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you include the forgetting, uh, then, then there's foreshadowing of the silence. So it's Moffat being Moffaty, which is both good and bad, right? We, we know... We know and love Stephen Moffat. We know and love him enough to know when he's having good days and when he's having bad days. Um, the Smilers, just to close, close the loop on those, they didn't just scare kids. Uh, they scared my wife. Um, 
She yeah. has a terror of clowns. Ah, yeah. She that'll do it. remembered this as the one with the clowns. And <laughs> they, they're not clowns. I mean, I, we had to watch it just to say, hey, look, they're not clowns. Uh, except they kind of, they got a clownish vibe to them. Um, yeah. You know, I, I can imagine being Bart Simpson in my bed watch it, after watching this going, can't sleep. Smilers will eat me. Um, <laughs> you know, that's kind of, sort of kind of the idea. Like, scary, creepy, old, you know, uh, you know, really scary for certain kids. So, so I get that, and it's so good, good behind the sofa viewing. But yeah, you're right. It it is for children, and the show is a, a show at root for kids, and you have to reestablish that every time. You do have to have a, a kind of a kid centric episode every now and again um, mm. to to have the, that that great. I think it is perhaps one of the best summaries in Doctor Who, where Amy is like, you know, the Doctor's given this whole speech about not interfering. And she's like, right. "Oh, so it's so it's don't interfere unless there's a crying child. That's your rule." And he's like, "Yep," <laughs> which happens which is, quite a bit, right? It's just perfect. It's perfect. It's beautiful, yeah. and it shows that Moffat does at root get what what and who the Doctor is. So you can you can hate on this all you want, and I will, but um, you know you'd be expending a lot of energy to do that. Um, and I kind of want to go early to to the question that I ask in in every podcast, Pete, which is, what did your kids think? What was their reaction? They both liked it. Um, mm. I don't think either one loved it, mm. uh, but I think my youngest was more into it. And I think it is sort of that smiler, that piece mm. of the smiler that sort of like is stays with you if you're a younger kid. It's really creepy. Also, because it's not just a scary thing; um, it's like this thing that is clearly sanctioned by the society, the idea that these things are creepy, but also figures of authority, mm. um, which gets at like the sickness of this police. Like, can you imagine that right here in like 2022 and, you know, democracy, like it, it's some, something that is deliberately creepy and scary and just sort of an enforcement mechanism. It's like, um, yeah. you know, not that it's never happened. It's just that that's a, uh, the doctor correctly surmises this is a police state, you know, yes. if this is happening. So I think that's good. And I also like, I, I like that. Um, Matt Smith is great. Okay. This is a thing. Yeah. My kids really like Matt Smith as a doctor. I think he's a natural when in that doctor who is a kid's show, he's just so uh, likable. He's, he's got the energy of a child, uh, being so young and sort of bounding yeah. around the screen. And this is young Matt Smith in his run as Doctor Who, right? He's still sort of figuring out the role and, you know, g g working really closely with, it seems, Stephen Moffat on the sort of delivering those very doctorish lines. Like, I love right. his whole thing there where he figures the whole thing out uh, in basically Act One of the Smilers and people aren't going forward with them and surmising what's going on with the kid and what exactly is going on here. It really just shows the depth of his experience, right? And that why we trust this guy. So yes. it's, it's a winning episode for kids watching for either the first time or longtime kid viewers. They kind of get it. They're, they're reminded of like, oh yeah, that's the doctor. He's great. And I like yeah. and, and his new energy is pretty awesome. And yeah, he is. I mean, you know, we'll get into the problem with, with Matt Smith being all kid friendly um in a minute but i do we are definitely want oh boy <laughs> oh, yeah. i'm excited for uh, that part <laughs> but I, I i do want to give a shout out to moffat for i think one of one of 
the most doctory lines ever, which is when Amy goes off to investigate the, you know, the mysterious tent, and uh, mm. and and she's like, "What what are you going to do?" And he says, "Oh, what I always do: stay out of trouble, badly." <laughs> yeah, great lines. So many good <laughs> lines here. I mean, I was just like, yeah. Moffat's also like he's experienced writer and experienced Doctor Who writer, but this mm. is his second episode as showrunner. Yes. Right. So like he's kind of getting into the groove of things too. So I feel like this is kind of a an establishing episode for a lot of different things. Um, but again, I, I the result as a story doesn't really ever come together. It's just mm. like you you're kind of rooting for it the whole way, I gotta say. But yeah. it it's it ends up being kind of a jumble of good performances and interesting ideas that yeah. Uh, ultimately kind of unravels uh, kind of by the end. Well, I'd like to, I mean, of course, to, to introduce more, we'd like to have a wide range of opinions here on Pull to Open. I'd like to introduce a, a review from a Doctor Who fan of, of A Beast Below. And uh, this fan said that it was a bit of a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, that fan's name was Stephen Moffat. <laughs> three, three years later, looking back on all of the stories that he'd written, he he described the beast below as his least favorite because it was a mess. So Moffat gonna hate on Moffat, um, mm. and I think one of the reasons it it is a bit of a mess. It does sort of play into this this notion of like the Doctor's being reintroduced as like you know this cuddly uncle. He's like friend to the kids. He's like a champion of children, and then he turns around and he's like gonna gonna kill this space whale. Like just when we've right. established that trust in him, and like he doesn't. I mean, the, the solution is so simple and it, it really yeah. o- over eggs the pudding and sort of making Amy realize that, oh, wait a minute, the space whale isn't your enemy. You don't need to torture it. It loves kids. Look, um, mm. it just, yeah, it's a bit much. I, but like, why didn't the doc, like the doctor's very, very smart at establishes in this episode. And Liz 10 is very, very smart. And, and no one in all of the, the, 300 years that this has been happening has realized that the space whale was actually willing to to take the city wherever well this is the only way this climax works is that kind of yes uh or if they even if they were made aware Mm -hmm. that they would still do the safe thing which is to say you don't know that you don't know it's going to be benevolent so yeah. to be safe, we still need to lobotomize it. And because because uh, you might think even like, why does Amy just go ahead and do it? Why not just say, hold her hands up like, whoa, 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 stop. Have you, as anyone here considered that it might not kill everybody if we stop torturing it? Has anyone considered that, you know? And it's like, if they actually get a chance to consider it, they might, they might still make the same decision, right? So Amy, let's see, like, in other words, like I, I, I think it's a good reason for her to just take everything into her own hands and do it mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they, it would just be focus grouped <laughs> like, yeah. and then die, die at the focus group. So yeah, you kind of do, but it gets to the same point to your point. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's all kind of this sort of contrived thing so that Amy gets to be the hero and therefore the doctor doesn't end up throwing her mm-hmm. out at the end. But- but if you're a kid and you're watching this the first time, you're like, oh, the doctor's cool. He's a hero. He stands up for children. Whoa, what is he doing to that whale? Yeah. 
you know, it yeah. just it's 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 a bit jarring, and I know that it's like you know it's War Doctorish. It's like a specifically a reference to the War Doctor, right? I'm not. He says he's not going to be allowed to call himself Doctor after this. Yeah, um, but it's a bit of a left turn at the traffic lights in terms of like just he was cute and cuddly and Matt Smith, and now he's now he's genocidal, you know, scary shouty Doctor. Like that's yeah. not like what are you doing? Are you establishing trust with kids or not in this episode? You know. Yeah, just talk to the thing, man. Use your mm. use your telepathy, um, yeah, or whatever. Doctor being a bad dad, yeah, yeah, and it uh, is. I mean, it works as a metaphor. We'll get into that. It's a bit of a heavy-handed metaphor. Um, how did you like the very beginning? So it's like you have the eleventh mm-hmm. Doctor and Amy there on their first first sort of moments together as mm-hmm. you know Doctor and companion, and she's like floating out of the TARDIS. And he's mm-hmm. holding onto her ankle. Yeah. Which I guess started to become more of a thing in New Who. Um, I'm sort of suddenly remembering Clara uh, sort of hanging out of the TARDIS in, I think it was, uh, oh, Face the Raven, right? Yes. Uh, so. Yeah, and and there's a lot of that. And obviously it plays a big part in the day of the Doctor as well. This whole sort of falling out of the TARDIS and just basically hanging on to the TARDIS thing is a very mm. Moffat thing. He like He definitely likes that visual image it is it's a beautiful way to kind of start the show it's a bit weird that it has amy's narration over it and then amy's narration just stops oh that i guess it kicks in again at the end but it's just right and but they also used her words here on the dvds or no i think as um as the opening narration for the entire season Mm. Um, for a while there, so yeah, 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 yeah. When it was shown on American TV, it had that sort of intro uh, that you know I, I met a I met a man, you know, when I was a child. Yeah, and so um, I think this is partly to your point, sort of overegging the pudding a bit on like mm. we're reintroducing Doctor Who for a whole um, a whole different audience or expanded audience. Um, and arguably, it really went sort of global phenomenon with Matt Smith by sort of coming to America and. BBC America got the show, and uh, mm. I think its popularity was was at its height here. Um, but it's also this Doctor Who is fantasy thing that yeah. uh, Moffat has said many times that that was his overall approach. It's a sort of a fantasy series, and Amy, the stand-in for the sort of uh, innocent girl who's just sort of taken in, you know, Alice essentially into this mm. uh, crazy world that's uh, sort of upside down and, and exciting. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. We were just talking in the feedback loop about you know romantic love versus platonic love because, of course, Amy later on in the series decides that she's really into the Doctor. Yeah, uh, again, a bit creepy, you know, since he kind of knew her as a child. You know, uh, there's that that aspect. <laughs> of it. But here, it's definitely platonic in the Beast Below. Like they, they're just she gives him a big old hug at the end. There's nothing to it. It's just a nice, friendly platonic hug, and it's nice to see. You know, the Amy and the Doctor as friends, and you know, friends help each other out. Friends, friends don't let friends kill space whales. Well, uh, is basically the message. I also like that this is in contrast to where they went with Tenet. Now, Tenet's very likable and affable, so you mm-hmm. could argue his oncoming storm bits towards the end, where he kind of went darker. Mm-hmm. If you think about things that went on in the waters of Mars, end of time. Um, I like that it seems more like an explicit reversal that he's not so much the loner, the lonely God mm. anymore. Like he doesn't just reluctantly want companions around. He, he kind of needs Amy and wants her to be with him 
uh, and he's willing to let let his guard down yeah. for that, right? Uh, which we, you know, you we've seen here and there, but like in the direction the show is going, I like that it sort of reversed it, and it's like, okay, he's going to be he's going to be more friendly. He's going to he's going to be chummy <laughs> with his yeah. companion. Let's have a little more warmth in the TARDIS, and that's I think that's a good choice. So there's there's a bit of a, a, a beast in the room, as it were, in terms of this episode. That uh, so we're we're recording this uh, Sunday, November the sixth. It's like two days before the midterms, uh, a week and a bit after Elon Musk took over Twitter. And first of all, and like, did the randomizer take us here because Musk is like fail whaling all over the place with Twitter <laughs> right now? <laughs> fail whale, fail whale. That has to be the title of the episode. Um, yeah. Oh, so. oh, oh right. <laughs> yeah. Noted. Um, but there's that. But also, I'm like, ah, Doctor Who. It's going to take me away from all of this anxiety about you know, kind of you know, regressive reactionary nationalism taking over the world. I'm just going to watch this nice old you know inoffensive innocuous story called The Beast Below. Oh my God, it's Brexit. <laughs> Explain. 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 <laughs> so, okay. So this is, it's not specifically Brexit. Like we didn't know it at the time because this was, this was 2010. Right. But I'm going to argue. Well before this, Brexit. Yeah. Well before Brexit. But I'm going to argue in this podcast, Pete. And I, I want to flag this up front because it may be a, a bit of a stinger. We might want to insert an ad break after I say this. I think Doctor Who may have helped cause Brexit. Whoa. All right, guys. <laughs> strap, strap in after you've Chris- heard a little bit from Casper um, <laughs> oh no wait I think they pulled out at the last minute we're going to have to go right into it Chris <laughs> come on Twitter advertisers come to pull to open um, okay alright so let me lay out the, the situation the scenario here it is 2010 it okay. is April April 2010 where this show uh, transmits uh First of all, like the mention of Scotland leaving the UK may, may make people think that this is about the Scottish independence referendum, which took place in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, that was a no vote. It was pretty close. But uh, go on, Scotland. Good for you, Scotland. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I get this. Um, but any, anyway, yeah. So, so Scotland has left the UK. The UK has literally detached itself from the continent of Europe. Uh, and uh, isolated itself in space as a police state. Yeah. Uh, there was actually a cut line, apparently, about how they just closed the borders. Uh, right, they, right. Uh, uh, so it's so Brexity. So it wasn't intending to predict Brexit, Brexit, but Brexit only happened because we had a Tory government after 2010, conservative government in the UK after 2010. Okay. So the election happens a month later. The doctor... We see him mashing buttons in this story and saying, we're going to bring down the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good line. Right? The government, it, good line, but the government at this point was the Labour Party. Um, mm. the, the election was very close, very, very close. Eight million people watched the doctor say he was going to bring down the government. <laughs> the result of the and everyone election, thought that was a cool thing to do. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you imagine the little kids in the voting booth. Daddy, yeah. daddy, doctor says bring down the government. Like maybe that was enough. And, and okay, like, Timmy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you. By the way, Timmy fell down the well. Seriously, Moffat, come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's just throw that in. Yeah, the, the child in the cold open is called Timmy, uh, mm. if you haven't seen The Beast Below lately. Um, 
But yeah, you know, it's clearly sort of a, a metaphor for, for British colonialism. We'll get to why and isolationism, that, that thing was always in there. But it was only because we had a Tory government from 2010 onwards. So first of all, Labour and the Liberal Democrats really should have gone into coalition after that election. Right. Okay. The natural allies. I didn't do the coalition episode, though. I guess if you count, a good man goes to war. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you know, so arguably, if, if Doctor Who hadn't made it cool to bring down the government, maybe they would have got a, a seat more, a, a few seats more, and that would have made their coalition just that bit more likely, right? Mm. And kept us away from the Tory Lib Dem coalition which led to a Tory government, which led to the Lib Dem, Lib Dem collapse and vote in 2010, which meant that the Tories had to govern on their own thereafter, which meant the Brexit vote happened. Yeah. And it, it was just off the radar for most people in Britain. Europe wasn't a big issue, but they'd committed to it in their manifesto. So now they had to do it. So Brexit. So, And in the show... What we're, we're told that, that, that Scotland separated. Well, why would Scotland separate? Well, there, there have been arguments online that it, it's because Brexit. Because huh. Scot Scotland voted to remain, Scotland as a whole, in the Brexit referendum, voted to remain in the European Union. Okay. So why would their starship leave? Well, maybe they were aboard Starship EU. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, you couldn't have one for every country. That'd be silly. Yeah, 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 you know, I, I love, as much as I'm sure Moffat would love to write Starship Scotland, uh, <laughs> ev everyone's complaining about things. I think that the Scottish Starship is on board with the EU Starship. That's They're funny. big EU fans over there. There's, I guess, future history here now that, you mm -hmm. know, everyone, every nation or every group on Earth had some spaceship that yeah. went out into space and really, literally, you could do any number of sort of political stories now set in this time period where you want to make some kind of point about sort of the national politics of that time. I mean, mm -hmm. think about what Starship America is. Oh, here, God. Right? And it's like... Constantly threatening yeah. to split in two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Super like there's a red side and a blue side. And it's, yeah. you know, it's very... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, to that point, this is a very highly trafficked area, as it were, of Doctor Who history, right? This is the solar flares that we first... Was it the Ark or the Ark in Space? Where we it, first it was the Ark in Space. So, yeah, this is a very um, contested... And I think they even sort of recognize it in the show that they might have screwed up. Contested on mm. exactly when this happened. So mm. the dialogue in this episode really locks it down because they mm -hmm. talk about how Amy is something like uh, 1,300 years old by the measure uh, of, of the computer. And so that puts it at like roughly the 30th plus century, um, like maybe the 33rd century or something. Because it's basically like it says, oh, he mentions, the doctor even name checks solar flares of the 30th century. And this is 300 years after that because of the age of uh, Liz 10. So yeah. that's all well and good, except in the Ark in space, it's made very clear the solar flares are well after like the 30th century. Uh, so like the 30th century is when Revenge of the Cybermen is supposed to happen. Right. If you remember, that's thousands of years before the Ark in space. Oh God! So, what when this should have taken place is like closer to to Jack's time, Jack Harkness in the 
the 50th, 50th century. Mm. Yeah. So, but they actually, when Liz 10 reappears, they sort of correct that because she, she is in that time of the 50th <laughs> century. So, so which is it? And it's like, well, you could argue she, it, it, this is correct and that she just ends up uh, stopping the body clock for a lot longer uh, for a long while. That's probably oh, the best God. way to go. But oh, God. it is just one of these things where the writers didn't clearly didn't check the manuals that I often check of the, uh, the a history um, books because it, it completely uh, screwed it up in terms of when the solar flares are supposed to be. Maybe that's not Liz 10. We see later on, maybe it's Liz 14 who looks mm. just like Liz 10. Huh? Huh? She's a clone. Making a power of the doctor reference there. 14 is 10. Uh, I've got it. Maybe the great, the great vampires came back and there's a whole <laughs> vampire undercurrent to all of this that we could explore in a sequel. Let's oh, just do that. God. Yeah. Oh, don't play everybody. Doctor Who is a show that loves its dating controversies, so I, I yeah. wouldn't put it past Moffat to have done that deliberately, uh, just to mess with our minds. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Liz Tan, we we should definitely give give a shout out to the actress. She's awesome. You know, Liz Tan is sort of kind of uh, maybe the best thing about this episode. Uh, Sophie Okanido is her name. Uh, she has a lot of badass lines. Yeah, she's all right. I think conceptually she doesn't work, but yeah. I, I love. Yeah, I think the actress's performance is great. It's one of the best lines of the whole episode, where she um, says, "Basically, I rule." Yes, <laughs> you know, and uh, she has. I'm a, she has a very. Queen, I'm, I'm bloody queen, mate. I'm I rule, and and she has a bit of a bit of a Chav accent. She goes a bit rose. Um, yeah, which is an interesting right. choice. I like the idea that you know royalty. Maybe they could have played on that, and like all of the. All of the common people in this episode have posh accents. Like the accents have just reversed, and royalty is now talking like you know Cockney, Cockney rhyming slang. Yeah. And you know, would it be nice to have that be part of a larger idea? So there are a lot of plot holes in this episode, but I think what, probably the worst might be that Liz Ten is supposed to be three hundred years old when she thinks she's fifty, mm. and. It's like it's an interesting reveal. It's like, oh, MG, you know, like the scale of something is larger than you think, which is always kind of a cool thing sci-fi can do. But how does that even work? You know, like, wouldn't there be records? Wouldn't she be able to look at those records, especially if she's 10 years into her reign or by her perspective? And would not the people know? Like, would not they be like, okay, she's been queen forever? And wouldn't that get back to her some way? It just doesn't, it just breaks down the when you get like even half an inch deep into thinking about this. It's just, yeah, how is really. that possible? I mean, we'll say, you know, not not many of us uh, remember that uh, Queen Elizabeth II served for 300 years. Uh, <laughs> certainly felt like it. Um, Too but, soon, like, my man. Whoa. Oh, First Brexit, now this. You kidding me. <laughs> the royal family. Yeah, no, no, I love the royals, love the royals. And this is sort of like, you know, we'll get into why the randomizer took us here, but the randomizer certainly loves its Queen Elizabeths, as mm. as does the Doctor. So it's kind of nice to have Liz Tan for that reason. But yeah, I like that. The, so the central idea, I may as well get into the other metaphor uh, in Chris's, you know, tiny history corner this week. <laughs> uh, not Brexit get doesn't count? No, Another corner. Uh, I guess that's you know Chris's modern too, history. Too soon history corner. <laughs> um, 
but also like the, the, the centerpiece of this episode, the centerpiece of a lot of Moffat's writing is how scary it is to forget things. Mm, right. Memory is a big, big, big thing with Moffat. Like you can see the origin of the silence here right? in this notion of you just completely forget you go into the voting booth you know, clearly Moffat had the election in mind here. Had the upcoming, he knew this was going to be transmitted just before the election. So you had the idea mm. of a voting booth, and you have the choice in a voting booth to protest or forget. Right, those are your two buttons. Right. I'm, I'm going, when I discover that we're actually uh, torturing a space whale, I'm going to protest this, or I'm going to forget it. It is actually said in the, in the, in the uh, revealed in the story at the end that if if you protest then you, you're basically food for the whale. Like it's, it's, not, it's not true that it is yeah. a lie that if 1% of you protest, then we'll, we'll stop doing it. Let's stop, um, let's stop there for a second then. Yeah. And I feel like mm-hmm. not, no one's ever held accountable for that because that feels mm-hmm. like really horrific to me. Yeah. Even on top of the whale. Like the yeah. whale's bad enough, but now they're just murdering everybody who protests, including children. Yeah. Um, who aren't clearly aren't voting, but I guess they're bad sometimes. Like what's little Timmy got a zero on his assignment because he didn't do the homework. Therefore he gets thrown to the whale. Like I uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> How is that helping the whale thing at all? It is, you know? it is helping parents of kids watching who need to persuade their kids to do their homework. Yeah. Uh, again, it's like <laughs> one of these things that just, <laughs> I guess, but it just unravels again at the, you go like a, one, a quarter inch deep, but it's like, hold on, that doesn't make any sense at all. That's a yeah. surefire way to make your population go below uh, decrease at, at a rate that would just be destructive to your society. It's like, it's just, yeah. come on. And also, the whale loves kids, and you're feeding it kids. How does it even know it's kids? Yeah, he never sees them. They just appear in his mouth. I, I mean, how, I just, you know, like, yeah, getting my belly. Um, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's again. I, 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 <laughs> I, it's easy to pick on this episode, but how does the whale understand? There's even well, I guess it sort of came for, to their cries. Okay, fair enough. But then, is it telepathic? I guess we're made to infer that that it sort of has a connection. I don't know. There's just so many sort of loose ends here that you just yeah. want answered, or if they did answer them, you'd still probably go like, "Come on, this is stupid." Yes. Yeah, so, so the sequence of events. Let's establish. So, so Starship UK, the UK minus Scotland, is the last country on Earth. That's mm. how far it's fallen post Brexit. It's the last country on Earth to leave because of the solar flares. Because I guess, you know, some future Boris Johnson was prime minister and everyone's like, what? No, 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 no solar flares. I see no solar flares. Uh, the sky's burning. Oh, it's, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Just go out and sunbathe. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess there's a lot of denial going on, which again, kind of the core of this episode. Then the whale comes along, is trying to say like, hey, I heard your kids crying, you know, would like to help. They're like, oh, giant space whale, torture it to make it move faster. And the whale spends the next 300 years going, dude, WTF, ow, <laughs> ow, <laughs> ow, you're hurting, that hurt, just, no, I just stop it, I'm trying to help you. See why, it, like, you hear its call at the end there, right? Yeah. When the doctor makes it audible. Yeah. yeah. It, would, it would be interesting, you know, that it's not translated by the TARDIS, like everything else. I would love that if it's like, dude, stop this crap. Stop this shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Stop yeah. hurting me. 
Will yeah. you please stop? <laughs> you know, like, that would have been good. Like, oh, yeah, the, okay. the doctors for the Sonic, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to translate it to Californian so that you can hear what the whales actually say. <laughs> dude, WTF, dude, dude, stop. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It is. Okay, so, so, so this is a metaphor, a heavy headed metaphor where the British people are being asked every five years to uh, protest or to forget the past. Huh. Uh, what could this refer to? And it's a thing that has been happening for 300 years uh, that Britain uh, maybe hasn't apologized enough for. Could it be the British Empire? Mm. 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 I'd like to say, first of all, (laughs) think, hmm. I'd like to say, as as the resident Briton, Paul to open to all peoples of the world, who were subjugated and oppressed by the British Empire, I'd like to say the most British... Uh, apology i can which is sorry 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 oops sorry say i'm so sorry so sorry give me me a tenant sorry (laughs) so sorry sorry. uh yeah so sorry um yeah and uh pete uh how did did that come across as as a canadian were you like uh oh this is this is clearly a british empire reference or is it just like you know canada's so over that empire thing now i'm kind of over it but anyway the uh one i don't feel it uh, i'm in a position to accept or not accept your apology so sorry (laughs) but it was uh canada would accept the apology by apologizing itself exactly accepting the apology (laughs) sorry for even presuming we we are that important um (laughs) no what i i saw this generally as kind of uh maybe this is just too simplistic but just sort of a a a take on elections themselves are you going to protest the current government or are you going to forget all the things they should be held accountable for, right? Which is kind mm. of like, I guess, if you're being cynical, what elections are, sort of right. referendums on incumbents and the path you're taking. And, you know, I think by sort of going with whatever's going on, you, you no, no government's perfect. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I think virt- virtually all are far from it, but you kind of mm. have to just decide, I'm going to forget the bad stuff they've done. And that's just kind of me right. being a realist, I think. Uh, I don't know if that's a particularly interesting thing. Um, it doesn't. It does, even if that's what he was going for. It doesn't make up for the general kind of nonsense of the episode and and sort of the sort of bad taste it leaves in your mouth. Yeah, uh, it is a shame you're a because whale this, or not. <laughs> this is sort of a thing that 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 Doctor Who has to grapple with. Right? Is is British history and the the bad parts of British history? We see it with Whitaker. We see it with uh, Demons of the Punjab. Yeah. Which sort of deals with the aftermath of the partition, and and that sort of you know the the way that that was so suddenly enacted, you know, harmed millions of lives. Um, there is a lot in British history that needs to be reckoned with, and this is almost sort of feels like the show saying, we're, we're, "It's it's so big, it's so big, we're all forgetting it," and like you know, but it, maybe it's time for for us as Britons to to come to grips with it, right? Mm. Um, so if that's the idea, then it kind of just needs to be dealt with better and, and not sort of undercut by its own kind of weirdness in the metaphor. Well, that's um, what I mean by sort of the accountability mm. for the police state, which I think goes way yeah. beyond the whale. Yeah. And it, it that's why it sort of leaves a bad, a bad taste in your mouth. Cause you're just kind of like, okay, they saved the whale and that's all good. But this is, you know, a dark kind of bad place and with bad, mm 
you know, I, I think most of them are sort of pretty faceless, those aides to the queen at the end. But there was a, a system, an apparatus. And yeah. I know, you know, it's a 45-minute show. And again, this we've already said this is about reaffirming Doctor Who is a kid show. But really, you kind of want to see someone stand trial for this. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, really? Like, Maybe Liz Tan okay. herself, since we, we learned that like she set up the system. or I mean, yeah. And that's an interesting sort of examination of privilege, isn't it? Like the, the, the queen, everyone loves the queen in this episode. The queen's kind of cool. But turns out she's at the head of the system mm. that she set up or maybe her ancestors set up that, you know, she's kind of a symbol of this system with the smilers uh, and the winders, um, which which makes me think of uh, you know the uh, the girl in the fireplace or in the clockwork robots. The yeah. winders. Um, we should also give a shout I... out to yeah. Smile, by the way, the the Capaldi oh, episode yeah. that we've been to already. Smile, which also takes place post Solar Flare. Mm. Um, it's in the same timeline. Uh, and I got to say, just like if we're going to do this nationalistic thing, like why have we not seen any of any of those? other nations like we mentioned you know it would have been cool to see starship right. usa but then like why is the why is the arc in space filled with brits are they are they all commuting from, <laughs> <laughs> from starship mm. uk like how does this work how has this whole other section of brits gone to the planet in uh, smile where they they land with the emoji robots it'd be funny to see starship luxembourg and it's just like a shuttlecraft <laughs> 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 Starship Andorra, Starship Vatican City. Oh. It's just an escape pod. Uh, yeah, Starship Greenland. It's just like a, <laughs> a, a comet, <laughs> <laughs> but it looks much bigger uh, from certain angles. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> oh, the possibilities are endless, right? But yeah, did we want to talk a little bit about the whale itself? Just because yes. it's, I, I give this episode some points for finally doing the space whale sci-fi trope, which. Um, yeah, you know, it's popped up that. all over mm-hmm. the place. And this is like, oh, it took Doctor Who a while to get there, but it got there. <laughs> and the, the overall design of it, I thought was kind of good. And I think I like that the script does it in such a way that you never, you, you really only see it in one shot at the end, right? And which mm. is good because if they had, had it on screen for much longer, it would be much easier to pick at in terms of a special effect. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, space whales, we like them. Um, I think they don't make any physical sense in that, like, well, it, it, by definition, you'd kind of need to be going faster than light or have yes. some mechanism to go from sort of place to place that wouldn't take eons and eons and eons, even if it was a long lived beast. Yeah. Um, are they creating just, wormholes? Like what's going on? Yeah. And if yeah, it's eating yeah. people, what, what is it mm-hmm. eating normally? You know, mm-hmm. what, what, what are its prey slash food? Yeah. Um, so yeah. that Doctor Who does actually answer that, not in the show, but uh, are you familiar with the song of Megaptera? I am not. Tell me all about this so, song. That's a. It's a, it's a technically available as a big finish uh, with the Sixth Doctor. It was actually released in 2010, roughly the same time as the Beast Below, but it was based on an unproduced script for the classic show. Uh, by a guy named Pat Mills, who I'm very familiar with because I read the comic 2000 AD, uh, where people like Alan Moore got their start. Pat Mills was also a writer for that. He helped uh, helped create uh, Judge Dredd. Um, And he produced this script for the classic series. It was originally going to be a Davison story. 
it was rejected. Then it was going to be a Colin Baker story. It was rejected, finally produced as a big finish. And basically it was going to be Doctor Who's salute to Moby Dick. Hmm. Um, it's uh, you, uh, the the doctor was going to be the TARDIS was going to be sucked in accidentally by a Captain Grieg, who is <laughs> hunting space whales. Uh, oh, accidentally my. captures the TARDIS, and like that sounds pretty cool, right? Sounds pretty cool on paper. Um, and it's mm. mentioned in the Sonic Megaptera, which you know maybe actually wasn't cool on paper, and that's why we, you know, it's not really a famous big finish. Um, it is mentioned that space whales eat dark matter. Oh, we bet. and yeah, and that there are actually time particles in that dark matter, which is what is helping them live for thousands of years. Uh, and the Doctor actually has a cool line about it's not internal organs, it's eternal organs. Um, oh, that's a good particles. line. So, so maybe like dark matter is like the krill for this thing. Yeah, yeah. And so you you didn't even need to feed it, kids. Yeah, and, and, and I guess if it's protests. thousands of years, if it, you know, depending on its range, so to speak, you wouldn't even mm. necessarily have to go faster than light. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if you wanted to go to a nearby star system, it would just you know, like say we wanted to go to Proxima Centauri on the back of a space whale. If it gets like even half the speed of light, you could do mm-hmm. it in eight years. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, That's yeah. Right. You, know, you just build your city there, get people used to the city, and then you you got a sort of a classic starship, uh, hundred year starship narrative. You know. Yeah. Um, I like that idea. The problem, the inherent structural problem of the Beast Below is if you're saving the space whale for the big reveal, mm-hmm. then you can't explain the space. <laughs> like oh, there's barely, right. barely any time to do it you know uh but i like to think i'm going to headcanon this and i'm going to say that they feed it kids because it's kind of like time particle methadone uh, uh okay. kids have youth and energy and it's like you know, mm. <laughs> you know it sounds a little vamp- a, like vampirism a little yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually what it's actually eating is all of the the kids potential future right oh um, yeah, yeah. A, little, a little bit of weeping angel Mm. Uh, methodology mixed in there yeah interesting so that's, that's how i'm gonna headcount on this yeah i was i'm also like i don't know if anyone else gets hung up on this but wh- where was the original engine and what happened yeah yeah you know, like did you launch this ship and then it failed and or uh, it, the way it's hollowed out in the bottom yeah you almost think of like this comical space balls sequence where they like <laughs> go to ludicrous speed and just <laughs> the engine goes Right, it leaves it leaves the city up top, and you just everybody's standing there watching the engine just go with plaid in front of it. It's like, okay, who's who's got ideas? Uh, Liz, you, what what are we doing now? Well, well, I did see a space whale off the port bow. Yeah, she suddenly turns. She turns off screen. It's like, ah, she blows. Wow, yes, I love that. I now want to see that. That would be a perfect sort of Moffat five-minute prequel episode kind of thing to do <laughs> <laughs> retroactively. Oh, yes, I love that. Yeah, and, and so, okay, so the engine room is, like, empty. The engines are disconnected. Are there any engineers? Right. Are they in on the conspiracy? Did anyone notice that if they're not in on the conspiracy, are there any engineers at all? And if not, are people not noticing? I mean, you just have to believe everyone is so damn scared 
that, you know, that they're just not questioning a single thing. Like basically everyone's noticed, but Mm. no one dares upset the system, which is fine. It's just, it's not played that way. And that's a really dark way to play it. Right. In other words, like that's a very scarred society, whether you stop torturing the whale or not, which again, sort of brings me back to my sort of my, my ultimate problem is like the accountability here is just non-existent. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's, it's there, there again, big ideas, uh, all, all seem really interesting. And I think, um, it, with a tighter script with bigger things to say, other than doctor who is a good kids show mm. could have added up to something, uh, better if not epic. Yeah, agreed, agreed. It it has a lot of good Moffat elements that will become will come into their own later down the line, mostly in Day of the Doctor. Like it's nice to see that he basically had the idea for Day of the Doctor here, almost. Mm-hmm. Like he had it kind of pre worked out in his head. He I think this is the first time that he said that it happened on one day. Mm. And it was yeah, a yeah, bad yeah. day. It was a bad day. Yeah. yeah, and he could have been being just sort of, you know, figure of speech, but right, it was a bad day. <laughs> it was literally a bad day, and I like that, you know, if you if you just binge watch all of Doctor Who, like all of Matt Smith's era, you know, first of all, good luck with that. Secondly, <laughs> um, you maybe you would see that callback, and you'd be like, whoa, that's yeah. so cool. They, they introduced this as a multi-season arc thing, like beginning of season five. Hmm. Right? Yeah, so, absolutely. What did you think about the Churchill teaser? Other than it well, being a weird contrast with the overall message of colonialism. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <colonialism. exactly. laughs> yeah, maybe like that's introduced for balance. Like I'm going to subtly uh, take a dig at the entire country for its history of colonialism. Uh, but like, let's let's now turn to one of its uh, biggest proponents, <laughs> the, man who, <laughs> the man who didn't want to give up India. Uh, you know, Winston Churchill, a man who caused uh, a lot of, a lot of oh. colonial deaths in his own way. But maybe yeah, yeah, he did other things. Yeah, um, but, but and, maybe don't remind us like back to back. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually really liked it because, it, it mostly because you get that shadow of the Dalek, and again, you have sort of have to situate yourself in place, space, and time. This is the beginning mm. of kind of a new era of Doctor Who. And Moffat sort of one sort of reassuring you that the Daleks are here. This is still Doctor Who. Um, and it's going to be interesting and fun because we're doing something with them we've never done before and sort of mixing them with British history in a way that mm. uh, I think at this point had kind of been done a little bit maybe in the novels and stuff. But, you know, we're we're having some more fun with it, which I, uh, I mm. you know, you're kind of teasing uh all that sort of happening so i think it it, it really works even though they, they don't really do this a lot uh of the mm. teasing um although i have to think about it, i guess they did to some extent is it of. is it the first i was going to ask you this is it the first landline call that the doctor gets from the console oh yeah uh, maybe the only right from yeah. the cons- as opposed to the phone uh, in the in the pull to open door yeah. um well, you think yeah, about, which, you know, phones at that time in the 30s, mm-hmm. like it's all switchboards. And so mm-hmm. who, wh- who's the person, what are they switching that to? You know, <laughs> there's like one particular <laughs> socket for the the little connector that's like got the Time Lord seal on it. And it's just, you, you know, you pull that aside and you put it in and 
that must be it, right? Like, yeah, maybe, or maybe like the, the the line from the telephone that Churchill is using actually connects to a desk drawer where it's hooked into a, a burner cell phone oh. that the doctor has given Churchill. Yeah, I like that better. <laughs> yeah, it makes more sense. It's like, don't tell anyone about this. This is amazing future technology. But just yeah, plug this end into into Call me your when desk you need phone. me, Winston. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, which you think Winston would have done in like May 1940 when you know shit was really going down? Mm. Uh, maybe maybe the doctor could have been called in right then. When when is the uh, victory of the Daleks set? That's a good question. L- later, I on think it is a little later. I think it's a little later, yeah. like 41, yeah. 42, somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah, but you yeah. think Churchill would be like, uh, Doctor, Britain's about to be invaded, literally by yeah. literal Nazis. Um, you know, maybe help them. So yeah, you know, it, it kind of stopped me in a number of ways, but I like, I like it that it's sort of, it's Doctor Who showing off what it can do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of showing off and get, telling you strap in. This is going to be fun. That's kind of, the yeah. Get from it. And it's the new series formula, right? You know, first episode, reintroduce show. Second episode, go to the far future. Third episode, go to history. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's optional. It's, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of optional Daleks, it may be time. Is it time? It is time for the four questions to Doomsday. All right. Goes the dynamite. Yes. First question. Why did the randomizer take us here? I think we've kind of already answered this, but. Well, there were actually a lot of. So we, as, as I said at the top of the show, three stories in a row where a companion has to stop the doctor destroying the, quote, last. Right unquote, you know, last as far as we know of a species, uh, which is uh, kind of weird and wild in itself. There's a direct connection to Dalek in that both of these creatures are tortured. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that's true. Dalek and the whale. And uh, there's a direct connection. Well, it's sort of indirect connection to Dalek in that Amy almost suffers the fate of Adam of being expelled from the TARDIS. Although that happens later in the long game. It does happen in the long game, but it's kind of set up by the yeah. events of Dalek, right? So, totally. you know, Amy, this is her first trip in the, in the TARDIS, and the Doctor is almost going to drop her off. Um, but but also, like, we've been exploring in a lot of these, you know, the the recent companion loss that happens mm-hmm. in The Runaway Bride, where Rose is still fresh in the Doctor's mind. It happens in Time Flight, where, you know, Adric's death is still fresh. Um, and here, like the, the doctor's last companion, we forget is, is, is Donna, uh, right. speaking, of, yeah. speaking of forgetting, speaking of mashing that forget button, mm. you know, that's what Donna had to do. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's not mentioned here, but the doctor has been traveling around for some time companionless. Um, yeah, for yeah. at least a couple of specials. It's true. And, it's implied and, perhaps a lot longer yeah. than that. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so Amy is sort of subject to these these rules that she doesn't know about, and, and it's kind of, you know, little, little Donna-based PTSD, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had a more meta explanation for the randomizer yep. here. Now, do you remember my challenge last time? I don't. Remind me. Yeah, I basically challenged the randomizer after we concluded that Dalek is the best Dalek episode please randomizer take us to the worst Dalek episode. <laughs> there is sort of technically a Dalek. I mean, you don't see it, but it's, in yes. this, there's the silhouette of the Dalek, the shadow. Maybe this is the randomizer thinks this is the worst Dalek episode of Dr. Who. <laughs> 
it's I I hear you randomizer, and also it's the randomizer kind of uh, throwing pie in my face because I said during Dalek, like maybe there's a formula of the fewer Daleks in an episode, the better. You know, oh the Gen- yeah, Genesis of the Daleks has three. <laughs> By the way, uh, pull to open listeners who are paying attention may notice that in last week's Dalek episode, we said, "Have we ever been to a story with Dalek in the title before?" Yeah, I felt that. And we said too. no. We, we mentioned then, Power of the Daleks. We did. We did. Say, we, did like, we mentioned Power of the Daleks. We did say that at the time, and then later yeah. in the episode, we're like, "Remember when we went to Genesis of the Daleks?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we only so, went oops. to yeah. The, Oops. the most epic one of the classic series. <laughs> yeah, only anyway. Genesis that bloody Daleks. Um, yeah, so so I think it's refuting my theory of, of fewer Daleks is better. Yeah, yeah. Because zero what? Daleks. <laughs> Would you call this zero or like point one? It, well, it, it's uh, the it's the shadow of the Dalek appearing yeah. at the like if the randomizer counts this as a Dalek episode with uh. a single Dalek in it, then no, that is not a cast iron theory. <laughs> uh, Screw you, Chris, says the randomizer. <laughs> Found the hole. Okay. Yeah. But also, 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 before before we get off the subject, like uh, the randomizer definitely likes Queen Elizabeth's. True. Yeah. Day of the Doctor. We've had Day of the Doctor, the Idiot's Lantern, um, you know, for, for Liz 2. Uh, so why not Liz 10? And, I, and, and I'm wondering here, like, it is... We, we're going to start kind of collect, saying what we've collected in our random journey so mm. far. And we've nearly got a bingo on Queen Elizabeth's, yeah. haven't we? We, we? Like, what else do we need? We need Silver Nemesis. So definitely need Silver Nemesis, yeah. That's... And we need Shakespeare Code. Right, yes. Yeah. Do we need anything else? Like, not counting just mentions right. of no, Queen I don't think Elizabeth's. So. I think that does it. Oh, unless the because because Liz Ten does come back in. Uh, oh yeah, what that's did true. She come back in, uh, in Pandorica. Pandorica. Yeah. yeah. So, so technically, we'll have to visit that too. But we're we're close to a bingo on Queen Elizabeth's and Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you take a Cleopatra though? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, was it that dinosaurs on a spaceship? Right. Oh God! Right, so yeah. don't remind me. <laughs> All right, <laughs> moving on. Take us next, yes. Okay. Next question to Doomsday: What if the evil plot had succeeded? So all I've got for this is that the evil plot is uh, on the part of the British people who continually decide to torture a poor space whale despite it continually saying the space whale equivalent of dudes WTF? I'm trying to help out. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's the evil plot, and it just keeps going as before. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the evil plot's kind of the doctors, right? Because mm. if you lobotomize the star star whale, um, mm. it, it becomes a darker future for him, and yeah. you know, consequently, the universe. So, you know, you presume he either broods or gives up his travels. Like, do you remember in sort of later Matt Smith, he sort of broods yeah. in the clouds for a while while yeah. the Potter Nestor gang sort of looks out for him. Um, maybe that happens sooner than later. Certainly, he's going to bring Amy back. He ends up mm-hmm. never traveling with Amy and Rory. Um, mm. it just becomes maybe even something like 
the war doctor again uh yeah yeah, yeah. you gotta wonder is this a would that make it a turn left scenario where like amy and rory have saved the doctor's life in multiple ways many times yeah does does the doctor die now without regenerating because amy and rory went there um that could be interesting but also i like i like the war doctor idea i like the idea that you know the doctor lobotomizes the whale and he sort of sighs and hangs his head goes back to the tardis puts on a leather jacket Right, <laughs> goes 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 back to the shack it's on that Gallifrey. Bow tie. That bow tie's gone. <laughs> yeah, uh, got it. And he just sit, you know, from from being young Matt Smith with so much happiness and optimistic potential, he's just like now old Matt Smith in a shack in a leather jacket. Yeah, yeah. Oh, can't have that. Oh, dark. That, that's what. That's a pretty bad evil plot. Yeah, like, is that the like first pretty... time that the that the evil plot has been the Doctors? Uh, good question. I don't know. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, yeah, I don't remember that happening in our, uh, in certainly in our pull to open adventures so far. That's that's, Uh, that's interesting. Anyway, oh, I don't want to think about not having (laughs) that run of Matt Smith, him bounding around the screen, being happy, and being a great, uh, hero slash savior figure for the kids. We wouldn't get the rest of season five. It was such a great season, totally, totally. Um, all right, moving on. Question three: Where is the Clara Splinter here? Hmm. Yes, the Clara Splinter in uh, name of the Doctor jumps into the Doctor's timeline. Uh, I'm going to pre- propose two options. She's either in uh, just outside the voting booth, helping Amy record a message on the right. voting booth screen. Yeah. That's never because explained that's either. not explained. Mm-hmm. I was so thrown by that, like I couldn't remember how it happened and. <laughs> like Amy, um, but also, and like, is this is this a Mofty thing where he's building in a thing from a future episode with Amy, like leaving well, this message? How how often have you gone into a voting booth, by the way, and it goes like, if you'd like a, to leave a note for the next person, <laughs> do so here. Like, how does that even what? How does that equipment even exist? I love it. I mean, uh, you know, people, it's going to be post midterms after this, but, you know, maybe I, I, I wish we could uh, bring this out right before the midterms to persuade folks to A, please, please, please vote. B, just leave a post it note on the voting machine and just write on that post it <laughs> note, tag your it. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> right? Nice. <laughs> But yeah, uh, my other alternative is that she, um, the Clara Splinter, actually, because it takes place after um, after the events of this episode, you know, in the Doctor's chronology, she's actually able to step into the Doctor's timeline, go to Starship UK in the early days, uh, tell them that they're torturing a space whale that will just do their bidding anyway. Uh, and this whole story is actually retconned and paradoxed out of existence. Oh, wow. It's just... The Amy's first adventure is actually Victory of the Daleks. That's some. That's some. That's <laughs> now that's, that's fan some... service. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I call fan service. Yeah, yes, I, I like that. I, um, I've just retconned the beast below out of existence. People, you're welcome. Totally. Uh, the best I could come up with was that to make the story work at least a little bit better. I think mm. there needs to be some kind of memory Gestapo here in this. Uh, police mm. aid, which, by the way, I think is just kind of a good idea from a sci-fi standpoint, the memory police. Mm. And mm-hmm. 
she's either a member or in charge of it. And she's basically wandering around making sure people don't keep records of the queen's reign and wiping the (laughs) memories of select people to ensure that the queen never learns that she's actually been queen for 300 years. So, wow, that, that is dark Clara, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Still, I can picture her doing that. Can't you? I mean, you think about her in Zygon form yeah, and how true. badass she gets. Like, think of a variation of that, sort of doing the same thing and like a long yeah. dark coat, symbols on her arm. Uh, I, maybe it's I, I just a, it, uh, uh, it's like it a does, brain with the, uh, the, the poopy, the farting emoji or like. Oh, the, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess it does come down to the question to what is Clara Splint actually doing? Is she, she right. just, propping up plot holes in which case dark clara uh (laughs) protecting the doctor in which case just retcon this whole damn thing please yeah yeah i like your version better i'm trying to paste over plot holes that probably don't need it all right the final question the only question the question that matters to all what do we ultimately think of this episode in our rating system it can be either a dalek which is a good episode an mm. Ogron, which is perhaps a not-so-good episode. A Professor Hater, where it's a bad episode, but at least we learn something. Yeah. Or is it a Viscount Banger, uh, the rating we reserve for the best episodes ever? I think well, I can I'm... rule one of these out immediately. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, Viscount. Um, I, I was going to get all sort of meta and clever and say something like, well, as you know, Pete, every five years, Doctor Who fans are required to rewatch The Beast Below. And then we <laughs> we vote on whether we protest it or forget it. Um, mm, I'm overdue. We, we always vote to forget. <laughs> always. We vote to forget that we watched it. Um, but no, uh, let's stick to our actual rating system, even though I am mashing that forget button as hard as I can. Um, uh, I At first, I was thinking, uh, you know, it's an Ogron. It's it's a confused Ogron. It's an Ogron who's just come out of the voting booth and be like, huh, what was, what was I doing for the last 20 minutes? Um, but no, I think because this is the first episode of New Who that we've come to that was not improved on a rewatch mm. at least for me then i think that deserves a special commendation i think the commendation has to come from the queen herself <laughs> so imagine before you professor hater on one knee and the queen <laughs> taps each of his shoulders with a sword arise sir professor hater of starship uk oh wow your first uh hater since time flight that's right. Yeah. I, I, and I think I could use the hater because I feel like we did learn a lot. Like it's yeah. not, we're not saying it's like, oh, we hate it so much. It's like, no, we, we learned both in show, right? The, the doctor's mm-hmm. timeline, a little more day of the doctor kind of revelations coming early, you know, nice stuff like that. Uh, we've not mentioned the crack in space that briefly appears, the crack in space and time, you know, has a brief right, appearance right. at the end of the episode. So it legitimizes itself as part of that arc. Um, so I, I learned it. Like, it's not, you know, it's not 50 minutes. I'll never get back again. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, the, I feel like the metaphor is there. It's, you know, it is sort of Moffat predicting Brexit ish. Right. Um, 
so it'll it deserves a place in who history for that so i like that the professor hater is is something that we venerate for for his good sides all right i'm gonna go a little more traditional so I, as i said i watched this with my kids they both liked it i think it is a episode that is does work if you're a kid i think it actually right. is a dalek if you're a kid <clears throat> but yeah. you know how kids are short <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that if you were standing close enough to an ogron that was hiding behind a Dalek, you might just see the Dalek if you're pretty short. You wouldn't see the Ogron, but if you're an adult, you're a little bigger and you're like, hold on, actually, that's just an empty Dalek shell and it's just an Ogron hiding behind it. So that's ultimately my rating. It is an Ogron at the end of the day. Uh, as much as I think if you have kids, this is a, this is a pretty good episode to watch with them because they'll uh, be on the edge of their seat because of how the doctor interacts with the kids in the episode, yeah. as well as sort of the creepy smiley things, which are creepy, but not too creepy. So got to give it a point. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely grist for my theory that, that I've sort of been developing as Pull to Open goes on, that, that a, a vast chunk of Doctor Who is best viewed conceptually as kind of a fever dream. Yeah, just so totally. Kind of does have that feel, right? With the, you know, not a lot of it makes sense, but the villains are scary. You know, that's kind of yeah. that's very, very. I'm in a fever dreamish, um, and and this had a lot of that feel to it. It's you know, especially with with the smilers. So yeah, you know, I we we don't like to hate too much on pull to open. Um, so yeah, I, I think definitely this, this is a good one to show to the kids. Yeah, if if that's your purpose. All right, that is bringing us to the end of our commentary on The Beast Below, and it's time mm. to get on the back of our own space whale to ride <laughs> back to our TARDIS, activate a yes. randomizer, and find out where we're going next. So, Yeah, but first, let's go below decks for a quick tour of the randomizer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is divided into two components. Uh, wait, what's this? The components aren't connected? This box is just two wires and they're empty what what? where's the engineer on this thing um no pete you what's your component my component is the pull to open codex which is a spreadsheet of course of every single televised episode of doctor who organized into 302 stories and you might remember from last time listener where we mistakenly might have called out the wrong number in the wrong episode title before we corrected <laughs> ourselves. We're going, I have upgraded the codex so that that will not happen again. Uh, looked up how to Ooh. freeze rows and columns in Google Docs. And nice. so now the episode number per the codex will always be visible, no matter how far I scroll horizontally. So boom. So. Nice. I, I like to imagine you there, Pete, with the spreadsheet and a Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, there we go, fix it. Um, great. And my component of the randomizer is random.org, uh, which is a website that generates random numbers, truly random numbers, not algorithmic random numbers. Yep, you got you got your Sonic there. I love it. Uh, yeah, that's that's how we should do the countdown now. Imagine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so computers normally are pseudo-random algorithms just sort of guess at a random number. Uh, random dog uses atmospheric noise, which is totally what the doctor would do uh, to generate a random number. So I am standing here at the controls of random.org with a minimum of one and a maximum of 302 in the random number generator. We have upgraded 
Codex 2.0 that Pete has sonicked. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we, we'd like to issue challenges to the randomizer. Uh, I'm going to say that we're, we're on a run here. We're on a run with the Doctor almost committing genocide. Oh, yeah. You know, that's true. Three stories of the Doctor. Like, let's make it four. Let's, let's see how long we can keep this streak. You know, mm. So, randomizer, please take us to another story where the Doctor almost kills the last of a race. I like that. Yeah, more genocide. If indeed there are any more. <laughs> if it, oh, I'm sure possible. there are more. Yes, <laughs> we we started inventorying them last time, mm. and mm. we actually did. Uh, we cut a video of that part of the commentary, yeah. and there have been someone someone commented that there is a spreadsheet out there somewhere where. His genocides are inventoried, and it's it's quite a few. Oh, so we, we've linked Doctor Who fandom and spreadsheets before so many times. <laughs> I love all my fellow spreadsheet using fans. Yeah, you stay know. tuned for the spreadsheet episode. Uh, we'll have a lot of <laughs> very Googleable tips, I'm sure. Okay, I'm going to stay with the idea of sci-fi tropes, and I want Randomizer you to bring us to something that is very, very tropey. In fact, the tropiest of tropes that Ooh, Doctor Who that? pulls out something. Uh, I don't know what it is. Honestly, I, I'd like oh, the randomizer to decide. It could be, um, tell you what. Base under siege. Got to be base under siege. Or uh, just big beasts, you know, because we had a space mm-hmm. whale. Let's mm. do maybe the, perhaps the power of crawl. Perhaps mm. uh, the sun creature from 42 or whatever else. Um, yeah, give, it, give me Pete, something. Pete, I fear you may have doomed us to dinosaurs on a spaceship, which we've yeah. already brought up uh, on this podcast. Yeah, so gigantic please. piece. Give it to us. Yeah, forget that, that it could I be a trope. We're gonna have to, yeah. <laughs> guess Either we're going to have to go to dinosaurs on a spaceship sooner or later, so might as well get it out of the way. All right, I'm down with that, but yeah, yeah, I'm go- I'm going with uh, get genocide. You're going with uh, big beast. So <laughs> let's see. All hey, right, give me yeah, give me the countdown. Here we go. Four, three, two, one. Affirmative. Nine. Nine. No. No. Yes. It, uh, it responded to me, my man. Uh-oh. It's Planet of Giants. <gasps> What? Are you ready for this? Those what? are some big beasts, those humans. <laughs> <laughs> well played, randomizer. Well played. well played. Yes. I love it. Wow. Nailed it, though. Is this, yeah. Is this the our earliest? Or was the Sensorites earlier? Sensorites was earlier. Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This is the um, second earliest. This is the first story of a season two of doctor who yeah they yeah. opened the planet of giants you needed a little believe, uh, appetizer before dalek invasion of earth i believe that i just read in, in doctor who magazine's uh, special on the bbc that it was supposed to be an, an unearthly child was almost you know instead of going to cavemen it would go to uh the what became planet of the giants yeah yeah um yeah, it was, it's this is I remember seeing this. This is a short one too. It's got like hmm. it's only two episodes and yeah. it's one of these things where it's a very simple idea um hmm. and a lot of a lot of ha- stuff happens within that idea as I recall. I haven't seen it in decades though. This is going to be a great one to revisit. Yeah. All righty. 
Guys, thank you for venturing below with us to check out some beasts here in our commentary on the beast below. Hey, guys, you're listening to Pull to Open. It's a podcast. Podcast loves subscribers and reviews. Do those things wherever you're listening to us, whether it's your podcast app, YouTube, or something else. Maybe it's a radio program. I don't know. What? Or a web ed. Yeah. If, if you're listening to this and your name is Winston Churchill, it's being broadcast <laughs> back through time on your crystal or forward set. in time. It could be centuries uh, in the future and you, you know, you're finally your warp speed ship. The broadcast is finally <laughs> caught up with it. Subscribe. Do it. Oh. Leave a review. The best time to subscribe was 300 years ago. The second best time is now. Follow us on social, Twitter and Instagram, pull to open 63 TikTok, pull to open. Thanks to Martin West and Thinking Fish for uh, our music that you might be hearing in the background here and there. And uh, tell us what you think of the podcast whenever, wherever you encounter us. We'd love to hear from you and we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you for joining us this beast of a podcast. We will see you next time. Take care.